When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Colin. And I'm Craig, back once again. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, well, first of all, I'll say uh, welcome back to Colm, because we've not seen you for a few months, uh, and I think that (laughs) coincided with the birth of your daughter, right, which is, yeah, congratulations for that. Thank you, it's been absolutely horrendous. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think you definitely get a few months off for that. That's a great excuse and worthy. Uh, I don't think I recorded for a bit after my daughter was born either. She very kindly kindly arrived in May, just as the season was, uh, you know, wrapping up. So now we're we're back ready to go with the new season. She timed it perfectly. Well, yeah, you obviously you planned that, didn't you? It had yeah. to be like <laughs> summer. Um, and yeah, Craig, even longer since we've seen you. I think it's probably going to be like a couple of seasons ago. Easily, easily two seasons at least. Been been a while. Exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah, for, for our old listeners, I'm sure they'll all remember, yeah, you were a regular, I think, yeah, in the kind of Jose days, right? Oh, yeah, and then, yeah, uh, Craig is our Welsh Welsh representative. But yeah, you're back. You're out in Poland nowadays, aren't you? Yeah, still, sadly. <laughs> and uh, in, in fact, yeah, obviously the last competitive game we had before the Leeds match, which will be the main focus of this game, was out in Poland. Was that Europa oh, League final? Nick, let's uh, not bring no. that up at the start of a well, new yeah, season. Right, we're I, feeling good. I just thought- I just thought it was a nice segue from Craig being in Poland to like, you know. But anyway, yeah, let's forget it. It didn't happen. It's forgotten. It's gone. It's done. And um, but yeah, look, we're going to focus obviously on this Leeds game, talk about the match, talk about who was there, look forward at the matches coming up. I was there and you may be able to hear that my voice is slightly hoarse today. I'm also slightly hungover after doing a nice tour of the Manchester breweries yesterday. Any of the beer nerds listening out there, uh, if you don't know already, make sure you check out Cloudwater and Pomona Island, the best of uh, Manchester's beers at the moment, I'd say. Um, but yeah, hopefully my voice does hold up for the rest of this podcast. But yeah, we'll divert to you guys otherwise, uh, watching over there at home. I and mean, yeah, look, for me, obviously, it was great to be back in the stadium. Uh, but yeah, look, tell me, like, when you're watching on telly, do you still feel a difference that all the fans were in there compared to how it was before? 100%. Hunt like it's just it, it almost puts it in a frame of reference of you, you got so used to COVID football that you were like, ah, eh, you know, eh, fans in does it really make a difference? Still pretty good. And then you go back, you're not going to go and rewatch old games where fans were present, you know what I mean? But then when you have that experience of actually getting back to 75,000 or 80,000, it's just it was mental to me, absolutely mad. It was it was just a crazy atmosphere, yeah. And like, you know, 
some, I mean, some of the channels did a pretty good job of piping in chants and stuff and even trying to get, you know, the chants that had been from Old Trafford and things. But look, the real thing is obviously completely different. And uh, yeah, you know, I was so ecstatic to be back in there. I know some fans have been back in the ground. Obviously, there was that Fulham game with a limited capacity. Mm -hmm. A lot of fans did show up for those Glazer protests as well towards the end of last year. Um, But for me, yeah, it was the first time back at Old Trafford. It's, It's almost 18 months since that Manchester derby where McTominay had that last-minute goal. Uh, you know, that was the last time I was there. And I think for most people in there, it was the first time back for a long time. And yeah, bumping into a lot of people I haven't seen for a long time. Did you great. see Alex or Imran, Nick, who were also there? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did actually catch up with Alex pre-match. Uh, he bought me a pint in the toll gate. So again, yeah, tried to do something like the old pre-match rituals that I haven't done. So yeah, we were in the toll gate. Had a pint over there with Alex Pre. Uh, did not catch up with Imran because I think he was just in and out uh, for the day. I think he was trying to get out before there was any hassle with the Leeds guys because he's obviously coming from like Yorkshire enemy territory. Um, there was a bit of aggro around, um, even just heading to the match. It was quite a visible kind of Leeds United presence on the streets of Manchester. Um, you know, this game historically is a big rivalry. And it's been a long time since we've had it with fans in, because obviously, you know, Leeds' demise, uh, they've been out of the Premier League for so long. And, you know, I said, like, I did a match day preview a few days ago, and I said, look, you know, when Leeds first went down, we were all obviously revelling in it and laughing at them. But after, like, a few years, we actually, we missed that game. You missed that atmosphere. You missed yeah. those big matches. So, yeah, I'm actually, you know, glad that they're back here. And even more glad that their fans had to see us spank them uh, 5-1 over there. You know, that made it uh, even better. It is a good thing that um, it's just audio, not video, or else we'd say that you're actually black and blue after going for a green street. <laughs> Jay that massive on some Leeds fans in Manchester. <laughs> outside Nick, a fancy Nick brewery last night. <laughs> yeah. I think actually, yeah, maybe the good thing is that after they got their beaten, I think they kind of sloped off back home rather than like trying to be out too much. I mean, I didn't see any Leeds fans around Manchester post-match. Uh, but yeah, as I said, pre-match, there was little bits of kind of aggro. Nothing major, but yeah, there was quite a lot of police out on the streets because, um, you know, they were kind of ready for it. And the early kickoff did mean that those kind of things were not as much of a problem um, than, than it would have been kind of if it had been a later off kickoff. Uh, but yeah, look, as I say, the atmosphere was brilliant and it couldn't have really gone any better. Uh, you know, I did. Look, my prediction for this game was 2-1 the other day. And I said, you know, we did smash leads, obviously, at Old Trafford last year, 6-2. And then we had that much more cagey nil-nil. And I said, oh, I think this is going to go more like the nil-nil. But yeah. I was completely wrong. And it actually went more like the 6-2. I mean, were you expecting anything like that, Cole? Um it's, it's a funny one with Leeds because, as you say, there was that one cagey game. But, however, I think really since they've come back to the Premier League, we now see this game as just, you know, I sort of wish we could play Leeds every week because a lot of the time they just do the exact thing that we want teams to do, which is just go at us, be super naive defensively. And, you know, specifically today without um, Calvin Phillips, you know, they were just so open. And so anytime we get that, I mean, our team just just takes that opportunity and, and really smashes it, you know. So you kind of keep expecting Bielsa to change something and do something slightly different on that front. And I did think today was going to be a very cagey affair. It wasn't a fixture I was kind of really, like I was looking forward to it, but I was quite nervous um, just because I felt 
it's been a difficult summer with the Euros and with players coming and going and then with a lack of preseason. And I appreciate Leeds' preseason has been pretty diabolical as well, but you just weren't sure, you know, with Rashford having a surgery, with Sancho and Varane only being very recently signed and likely not to fixture, with Cavani being out, you know, that's essentially our first choice front three. You know, I'm sure most people would say that that is the front three that it was you would pick if everyone was fit, would be Rashford, Cavani and uh Sancho and they weren't available so I did have quite a bit of trepidation but it was classic United Leeds really in this kind of uh, post their return era you know shouldn't have worried I mean same as you I was like slightly kind of worried or you know and it was all about our pre-season I wasn't sure what kind of team we were going to put out Uh, I mean Craig were you happy when you saw the team sheet were you feeling nervous because of our pre-season or did you think yeah listen we're ready the crowd are going to make the difference over here today I mean, I was definitely feeling nervous when I saw the team sheet. You know, not many people are happy when they see McTominay and Fred yeah. in midfield. Um, but I, I, I was pleasantly surprised uh, that it gelled that well, though. Um, I, I really didn't think it would. Like with like you said, with Rashford out, I really thought we'd kind of have a uh, Ted Lasso season two type affair beginning of our <laughs> season with like draws all the way. I just started watching that. It's really, really good. Oh, it's a great show. <laughs> yeah, and I think like especially because during the preseason we kind of seen this Donny Matic, you know, thing, and I think a lot of people thought that might be a good way forward. There was also talk of you know moving more towards a four-three-three or a formation change. So to kind of go back to the tried and tested, whilst I didn't think it was super surprising, um, I'm sure a lot of people might have thought, oh god, is that you know is that really what we want? Um, but. I mean, credit only. It was it was absolutely what was required. I would say absolutely spot on in every regard. Yeah, look, like I said, it couldn't have gone much better. I think, yeah, we all had that kind of slight worries. And it, especially, you know, because we had that awful start to the season last year. Uh, you know, at the same time last year, we were losing to Crystal Palace, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's why we were all a bit worried about it. But, yeah, look, it just couldn't have been any better, really. Um, as I said, and, you know, for us as well, like I'm, I was in J-stand. So we were attacking that end to start with. Uh, so to get, you know, a goal to start right in front of us was brilliant to see. Um, and yeah, I know, Colm, you've been in that end. And this summer now, they have redone that. We're now fully like an official standing area yeah. with rail seats and everything. I mean, it didn't actually make that huge a difference because we stood there for I've quite a, for anyway. a couple yeah. of years anyhow. Yeah. But, uh, you know, having that kind of bar in front of you, it does make it more comfortable. And plus the one thing that did happen was United allowed quite a lot of reorganisation in this kind of COVID time and a lot of groups of fans have now come to sit together where before you always used to be a bit split up with your mates because they were like reconfiguring that whole area. Uh, people are more together and it has definitely made it a good atmosphere but I think this match would have been a good atmosphere whatever happened because yeah. it was Leeds because it was the first match back after ages. So straight from the word go everybody was like right singing on it everybody was good and I will say that you know because it was something that came up a couple of podcasts ago about what kind of reception Paul Pogba was going to get and he you know he missed that chance early on didn't he which was yeah. a relatively easy chance as well like he should definitely be hitting the target minimum and there was a few people getting on his back straight away I mean of course you know his contract's still up in the air Quite a lot of people think he should just be sold and, uh, you know, that he's causing too much trouble. I personally, even though I do kind of agree with that, would like to see him sign a new contract because, you know, we saw both sides of Paul Pogba in this game. Um, I I was pretty, you know, when you're in the ground, you don't always pick everything up. Mm. And I actually didn't really realise until the end of the game that Paul Pogba got four assists here. Uh, obviously, I noticed a couple of them, but 
there was a couple of goals that I wasn't too sure what exactly had happened. And it wasn't until I got back and saw that Paul Pop got four assists, uh, which is pretty crazy. I mean, at the same time, he was losing the ball a fair bit. And yeah, you fans in the, like I was there with a friend of mine, Lee, uh, shout out to Lee, who was a long time listener of the podcast. And at halftime, even though Pogba had, you know, made that first goal, he was actually saying, I think Pogba should be substituted because he's been giving the ball away so much. Um, so yeah, I don't know how your kind of view from watching it on the telly was of his first half performance. I thought he was excellent. I, my perception really was that he was good. Um, I didn't really think anyone performed per- like my my take was just that it was strong across the board. I did think McTominay absolutely stood out, and I suppose it's hard not to be coloured by the end result if you know what I mean when looking back on this. But I I wasn't super mm. frustrated. You know when I see Pogba give the ball away, it it washes over me. It's when he gives it away twenty yards outside of our you know, box that I get very frustrated and annoyed when he's given it away and he's playing this kind of higher left sort of floating role. It, it doesn't really bother me. I kind of view it like Bruno where it's it's usually, you know, he's trying something. Now, it, there are those occasions where he's kind of taking too much on or holding on to it for too long, whereas Bruno's is kind of more direct all the time. But, you know, like I think the goodwill with Pogba probably is at a low ebb at the moment just because of the contract situation, just because I think there was a... a a fair portion of the fan base who would have been happy to see him go uh, or understanding of him leaving this year and then the fact that we might all you know get a great season from him and then be somewhat shafted next season depending on how it all goes so you know I certainly feel like I would have been excited by us moving on from Pogba this year even though I would absolutely have no issue saying we are clearly a better team with him you know there's there's no way you take Pogba out of the team and replace him with that kind of quality you just maybe move the team on a bit and find a bit more balance but like he was he was excellent yesterday he really was he was really on top of his game and as i say those little sort of throwaway passes and and times where he gets caught it doesn't really bother me but i wouldn't be surprised if you know you know not to talk about agendas and stuff like that but the goodwill just mightn't be there for a lot of fans and if it isn't always that scintillating in terms of four assists um, it it could get annoying and also where he's got a play is still a, a thing you know because um, you know that left wing sort of situation is is a bit of an odd one still, and it's worked well and then worked very poorly in in probably equal measure. So it's one that needs figured out. But I was delighted and like it was really cool. I thought or really interesting that as you said, maybe the fans were giving him a bit of stick because every time he created an assist, Bruno was like going mental, you know, going celebrating, but then turn around pointing to Pogba like pointing at Pogba but looking at the fans and saying that was all him kind of thing you know so I mean I'm sure that the team want him there and want them playing like that like no doubt yeah definitely and I think you're right that uh, when he's playing that more attacking role it's not as much of an issue if he's giving the ball away and you know if it ends up in four assists you obviously can't argue with it at all uh, but Craig, I mean, a couple of podcasts ago, we had the question here, Pogba stick or twist? And we, there was four of us on that day. And we ended up being 50-50 on it. Where, where are you on it? Pogba stick or twist? I really want him to sign a new contract like, because when he does play well, he's definitely one of the best in the world. I, I just know that if we do end up losing him on the free, he's just going to like absolutely pop off wherever he goes. Yeah. And everyone's just gonna like go crazy and think, God damn, we really should have renewed his contract. Like, but it's it's gonna be rough because like obviously because of who his agent is and how greedy the agent is himself, it's gonna be rough. Like, he's definitely gonna have like the season of his life this year. I think, yeah, plan for the contract kind of thing. Exactly. He's basically this season's like gonna be one giant audition for him yeah. to tell all the clubs in the world, give me money, yeah. and. He, I don't. I just. 
if he doesn't sign the contract by the end of September, I think he's gone next year, 100. Yeah. percent and we're totally going to regret. It, you know, um, I, I, I just, I just can't see him staying with us, even though I want him to. Like, I, I do, yeah. he's, he's very hit and miss, but like, that's the thing. Like, his hits are way more than the, you know, they they impact us more than the misses do. I think it always comes back to that kind of thing of if you can't fit him in your team, that's kind of your problem. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's maybe a feeling of Ole or just us in general that it hasn't worked, you know, because he, like he is that good, obviously. Um, but the thing that, and this is just my issue with, you know, the Super League and certain players' wages and stuff like that, the money we're going to have to give him this year if he signs a contract will be eye-water. Like it will, and, and you could say it's justified, but I mean, it will be like, would it be 400 grand a week? Like it'll be something crazy. Like it could be more. I don't know. Like it, I think it's probably, I think it's probably even more than that. North of that yeah. Asking for. yeah. Like, and, and I question if that's ever, you know, we've, we've seen so many teams in La Liga absolutely fallen on their sword with that. And obviously that's spurred on the whole super league thing, but it just, that is not sustainable and that is not healthy for anyone. You know, take that money and give it to Haaland. At least you're going to get 10 years out of him or five years out of him or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like that's some of money for anyone never mind the fact that it's been a, a a kind of tumultuous six years that he's been at the club so far you know is is difficult for me to kind of swallow and that's nothing to do with Paul Pogba that's to do with anyone I think you know I think the other thing is as well that if you agree to give Paul Pogba whether I don't know 400 500,000 even some reports are saying then you know the next time Marcus Rashford comes to renew his contract he's going to say well you know what I want that as well yeah and that's where the problem comes, basically. You know, you can't just have one player. No. Who's well, I think, you know, we had else. we had the Sancho, or sorry, the Sanchez wage, the Pogba wage, and the De Gea wage. I can't have any of them, personally. I think De Gea is wildly overpaid. I think Sanchez obviously ruined us for a few years, you know, and really took a lot of work to get back to an even keel around that, which we have done. And there's no point in just repeating the same mistake you know some players yes are probably worth paying for and i'm sure they'll know you know that the um p's and q's on united's finances and what we can manage but just it just seems like a lot you know yeah we'll see where we are over there um but yeah look i think yeah four assists in a match is a crazy thing though yeah like you can't really argue with it only only ever done by seven players yeah four four or more assists in a a single premier league game has been achieved by seven or more players who do you think they are? And what Obviously, is that? Is that Premier League? Premier League history? Yeah, Premier League. Yeah, so they're all recent. They're all current. Not current, but like they're all, you would know all the names. Like there's no crazy person who played in the 1920s. Yeah, okay. I mean, well, I don't even know where to start with that. But yeah, if you talk about the kind of top assist makers, then you throw out, you know, Giggs. Uh, nope. Uh, no Giggs. Uh, no Ozil, nope. Uh, there, are, there are three, four previous, five previous Arsenal players. Wow. Five wow. of the list played for Arsenal. Thierry Henry. Nope. No. No. Burkamp. Yeah, Burkamp's one. Uh, two, 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 three Spaniards in this list, all who previously played for Arsenal. Three Spaniards. One, one nearly lost his foot tragically. Oh, Santi Carzola. Yeah, he's one. One he got four a, assists in one match. Yeah, yeah. One did, an infam- one did an infamous knee slide when returning to the Emirates. Oh. Uh, Adebayor. Yeah, I know that's a weird, weird one. I can't believe that. Um, Fabregas, Reyes, and Harry uh-huh. K- Harry Kane is the other one, which I think was last season, oh, wasn't right. it? Hey. Okay, okay. Yeah, should have probably got Fabregas, but yeah, a couple of random names. <laughs> I can't five of them are Arsenal players. First of all, can we all take a moment just to laugh at Arsenal? What, like, I think I was almost 
almost as pleased with the Arsenal result as I was with the United result. It was just, it was really was the perfect weekend. Like, it's just so hilarious that they are not taking any steps to remedy the issues of the club. It is genuinely bizarre. And also Brentford, like it was, it was, it was really cool. Yeah, a great moment for them. First match back in the Premier League and, uh, you know, doing over what I guess for a long time, you know, Brentford is just kind of, you know, a Londonish area. So for them to do one over Arsenal, that I'm sure a lot of people in Brentford support Arsenal historically would have been great for them. Did you see the photo of the old Brentford fan who's about 90 year old, gurning his eyes out? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what football yeah, is all about, isn't it? Never would have imagined. <laughs> yeah, that is. And that's what's been great about all the fans being back in the stadium. Just... And their next two fixtures, Man City and Chelsea as well. Is that their next for two Arsenal, fixtures? Brentford, yeah. is it? Oh, for Arsenal? Yeah. 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 So it's only going to get, yeah. only get, get more smashed. hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my mate's an Arsenal fan, so like, I'm going to like take the mick out of him so much. Yeah, it's just it's just prime. And you see the uh, the tie thing as well with Carragher. Yes, yeah, <laughs> on that fan TV when he was yeah. just going on embarrassed himself completely. I mean, yeah, like, I've got a couple of good friends who are Arsenal fans, and we used to have an annual bet who's going to finish higher, United or Arsenal. But for, it's been a couple of years where they were like, "No, we don't want to have that bet anymore." <laughs> we're not, we're not renewing that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know that was a standard thing, you know, between United and Arsenal. But now they're like, "No, no, you're all right. We're, we're not going to have that one." Listen, Nick, you've uh, you've shamelessly skipped ahead of uh, the Rafa Varane pre-match unveiling. You're right. You're right. Champions League Varane. Champions League Varane. Champions League Varane. Let's talk about Varane. And uh, yeah, that was another great thing uh, for being in the stadium over there. There'd been a lot of things, you know, both of our Sancho and Varane signings, people were like chomping at the bit for it to be officially announced. Uh, I think, you know, nowadays with all stuff with COVID, I think there is even like issues nowadays with like Brexit, where there's more like paperwork between like clubs in Europe than there used to be. Uh, You know, I think there's all kinds of admin and both were kind of delayed. But look, they finally did it on the pitch. Do you think that was tactical? Do you think that was kind of like stalled to the first game of the season? Someone, someone in commentary, one of the commentary on uh, BT was saying, you know, this is a masterclass for Manchester United and Ole to kind of set the tone here for the crowd. I think it was Joe Cole saying that that would have been done on purpose. You know, have them come out before the match, absolutely get the fans like electric and then start the game. And it's like, is that just happenstance or is that tactical? Because it really like, like the stand ovation was, was cool, you know? I think probably like, you know, it'd be quite delayed anyway. And it was probably only yesterday, uh, I mean, the day before that they might have been able to announce it. So maybe they just thought, look, another 24 hours. Yeah, we can wait to make it official on the pitch. And it was a bit of a throwback to old days. You know, this is how players used to get announced. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, pianos, it's all like more yeah. Uh, yeah, social media. They have their special videos and whatever. In the old days, it was like that. And, uh, you know, I did post out on Twitter a few weeks ago where, there's an Ole when he was announced, he was just standing there in his jeans with like the three other players. I think yeah. that summer it was like Ronnie Johnson, Jordi Kreis, Carol Poborski, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. There was just one photo of all Lumped of them. Together. Some yeah. of them couldn't have even been bothered to change out of whatever. They'd just woken up in that morning yeah. and that was it. There's your announcement. These are our four signings. That now, you know, there's a whole videos, social media stuff. So yeah, it was nice to have it like more of a bit of a throwback of the player unveiled on the pitch. It felt very uh, classic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like classic say, suit, you know, classic walk out, no interview, just take a selfie and walk back in the tea room, no problem. And that's one of the things that, you know, we did so well, but we still have, you know, Varane to come in, Sancho to come in, uh, Cavani, Rashford, they're still set. And yeah, I mean, De Gea 
I don't know if is he first choice, is Henderson first choice, so we still have to go over there. Um, you know, if we just go back to the lineup, the one kind of interesting pick I'd said last week that I thought the defence was pretty obvious what it was going to be, and it was as we expected. Yeah. But then, yeah, it was more in the midfield and especially the f- front three where I really was unsure what it was going to be. So eventually, yeah, he's gone for James. Pogba and Greenwood, you know, so a lot of people are expecting Martial might play this game and get a chance, uh, but he didn't. He started with Greenwood up front. And, you know, how do you think Greenwood went up front? Because there's still a lot of debate about what is his best position, where is he going to play? Obviously, he did get a goal. And, yeah, I thought he did pretty well. Um, I, I sometimes see him that he's drifting and he's not always in that kind of what I'd say should be the number nine position. And there was quite a few times where... We had players in good positions and there was nobody in the box. And that's just one thing that I guess he needs to think about and play about because, you know, when he's been playing quite a bit on the right side, uh, maybe he's just going, reverting to type and drifting over there a little bit and not always in that proper number nine position. Uh, But I know, Colm, you've said you want to see him playing up front, don't you? Yeah, 100%. And I was, that was the, I was delighted with the team sheet for that sole reason. I didn't really care about anything else. If Martial had started ahead of Greenwood, I would have been extremely frustrated and extremely disappointed for lots of reasons. Firstly, I just think Greenwood now is the better player in better form. He's also the younger player and deserves the minutes more, I think, in terms of the growth and, and his possible um, you know, final destination at the club. Secondly, I think he had a much better preseason. Scored more, scored a goal. First of all, Marshall didn't, um, and looked sharper. I thought Marshall couldn't even get him up himself up for preseason. So you know, with a summer off, you know, wasn't away with France, and you know, I, I just again was slightly disappointed by that. So I was absolutely delighted to see him starting. It would, it showed me that that is the pecking order currently at the club. I think I don't think that's just a he's fitter right now thing. I think Ole just sees him as a head of, of Martial, probably behind that front three that we've discussed in terms of Rashford, Sancho and Cavani. Um, and I just think that's so encouraging for me because I would force as many minutes on him um, at number nine or even right wing or left wing as possible. I just want to see him on the pitch, but I really would like to see it focused on number nine. And I thought he was excellent. I thought, he again, he just looked like his game had come on a little bit, like he matured, like he was more comfortable out there. I thought his touches and his passes were brilliant. He is actually really nicely press resistant. He has a very nice kind of touch and dribble about him to kind of get away from people. And obviously for his goal, he showed a tremendous burst of pace, which I don't think people really assume associate with him and I do agree with you it's tough with a number nine because it's very rare to get someone who does literally everything but there were a lot of classic Dan James balls flashed across the box that no one was there for and he didn't look up anyway so and those were slightly disappointing there was kind of an early one that uh, Bruno bent around that he was just an inch or two away and I kind of thought you know another number nine probably get something on that and I do think that's where he can learn that kind of six yard box predatory kind of thing is still as much as he's so good with the ball his feet in the box and creating those one-on-ones for himself for crosses and balls coming in it's just not quite there however I felt his dropping back was giving Leeds huge problems and I really enjoyed it I think he does have that kind of cultured ability on the ball to to sweep passes around I mean he played in Pogba for the Fred goal he um, played in Pogba for the first chance and you know he really was linking the play extremely well and also I thought that created a really nice gap for Bruno to exploit and more of like a second striker rather than classic 10 kind of vibe so he was really I mean you saw it for the Lindelof goal where Greenwood kind of stood and occupied the um the uh two center backs and Bruno made that run on check Lindelof bent in the great ball so if Bruno can fill that space beyond him and if there's runners going past him like Pogba did for the Fred goal and stuff then I don't think it's as big of an issue but I do sort of agree with you that's kind of the only part of his game that I see is needing a lot of work you know that kind of fox in the box 
attaching himself on the end of crosses. But I thought he was class. I really did. I think he's. I think he should be an absolute star. Really, really would like to see us hedge our bets with him and, and kind of put that faith in him. Yeah, and, and you know, one thing, like as I said, sometimes when you're in the stadium, you don't always sometimes know who whose assist was it and all, but you do also see some other bits that you maybe don't see when you're on the telly. And I don't know how much this came across from watching it on the TV, but there was a lot of switching around, like you say, between yeah. Greenwood, between James, between Bruno. Uh, as you say, yeah, sometimes Bruno was almost like a false nine and Greenwood was more coming from the wide. James also seemed to be switching sometimes. Sometimes he was right, sometimes he'd ended up left. Um, so yeah, I think there is definitely aiming for this kind of fluidity up there. And yeah, look, you know, Bruno's ended up getting a hat trick there, so you can't argue with that. I mean, if we go back to just like the flow of the game, that obviously we got that goal first half that was right in front of us, and we were ecstatic. Uh, you know, went in half time, we're pretty happy. Uh, Leeds then make that kind of change at half time, go a bit more attacking, and immediately end up getting a goal. And, you know, silenced our kind of bit of the crowd a bit. You know, it was the first bit of the day where we weren't all singing, all just jubilant. And, uh, you know, Leeds had their kind of few minutes. Then thankfully it was only a few minutes because, yeah, we got straight back at them. Uh, you know, that time we saw a great ball, obviously, from Pogba. And Greenwood finishes it. And then, you know, the floodgates kind of opened. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, Craig, one of the big questions is, which which was your favourite goal of the day? Honestly, um probably controversial but my favorite goal was actually aliens goal i was gonna say that <laughs> yeah it's I mean, definitely, I, it, it I, definitely is in the conversation you know yeah like he, he struck it so well and like it just <laughs> float you see the float path there so easily yeah um but in terms of like our goals it's between the greenwood one and uh where pogba played that long ball and the third Fernandez one where Lindelof surprisingly played that long ball. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think the Fernandez one probably edges it just because of the power and shot that Fernandez did on it. Whereas Greenwood's one was like a lot easier to like score. Like Fernandez had to like turn and smash it. Yeah. Um, which definitely ended up looking a lot prettier and shocking. I'm, I'm surprised that Lindelof played such a fantastic long ball for that. Like I didn't expect that of him really. The great thing about the Lindelof pass was that, like, he whipped it. You know, he curled it round. It wasn't like you see him a lot of time do that kind of sandwich, you know, ball lofted over the top. But this was like a real kind of I'm going to whip this into this corridor and get it behind the centre backs. It really, really was. I wonder if he's, you know, he's obviously the man who's possibly going to lose out to to Varane. So, I mean, he, he played excellently yesterday. Well, Pop was playing for the contract. Lindelof's yeah. trying to play for <laughs> his place. His now. Place exactly. It's a bit more palatable, isn't it? No. It was- see I remember a couple of times last season where Lindelof were making these oh he definitely has it in his locker yeah 100% yeah and Lindelof on the ball I'm totally comfortable with you know I've always been a big critic of Lindelof and but I'm totally comfortable with him on the ball he's good at that and we've seen him do a couple of assists and a good balls to Rashford last season I've always been more had an issue with sometimes he gets out muscle sometimes he's a bit slow like balls bouncing around that he should be clearing that's always been my problem he's like you know the number one where his position is being challenged and we saw this last season where Tellers came in and uh, you know Luke Shaw stepped up and yeah maybe we'll see that I I think eventually there's no way that I don't think Lindelof can reach the level of Varane but yeah look it can only be good for us if he is ready to push himself forward Uh, just to mention Tellers actually that uh uh, my I've, my seat has slightly moved this season because I said they've had this reorganisation in J stand to accommodate all the new standing area and I'm now right at the back 
off that section. So right behind me are the executive boxes. Mm-hmm. And just two boxes to the left of me was actually Alex Tellers sat in the box watching the match over there because he's obviously injured. And uh, it was actually nice to see he got a bit involved in the crowd because, you know, in these modern boxes, they have their kind of glass bit where they have all their, you know, food or whatever, drink inside. But the seats are actually outside of the box. So they were right next to you when they come out. So Tellez was sat, like, just there. And he was actually quite, you know, interacting with the fans. And uh, there was one guy there who had a kid who must have only been, I don't know, six, seven years old. And Tellez kind of, at halftime, said to him, send the kid up. And uh, the kid went and just joined him for a photo kind of in his box over there. So, yeah, it was nice to see him, you know, getting involved there, interacting a bit with the crowd as well. Uh, don't know when we'll see him back there because yeah, I think he's got quite a bad injury. Yeah. So we'll see from what there. Uh, yeah. what goal? What goal do you think was the best thing? I I really did like that Pogba pass and Greenwood finish, and yeah. just because as well Leeds had scored and just the timing of it. You know, at that point, as I said, Leeds fans then started kind of uh, getting excited that you know they're back in the game, and just to like shut them up straight away. And that's, you know, that's the one that was my favourite, basically. Popper. Through ball, looking for Greenwood. Greenwood gets away from Strack. Greenwood's in here. Greenwood! Fabulous! Oh, what a goal! Mason Greenwood from the angle finds the corner. And United ahead again. What a move! My only issue with that goal, it's, that goal is definitely up there. And because Greenwood, I like it even more. Because the pass is, is like he takes it so in stride and it's maybe like just two inches in front of the defender. And yet that two inches is completely fatal, you know. Um, Greenwood then takes several brilliant touches. And I mean, the finish is like in off the post around the back of the net kind of thing. You know, it's very pleasing. Um, my only issue with that goal is Leeds just didn't have anything on the left-hand side of the pitch for some reason. You could literally, you know, drawn a half down the, the absolute center of the pitch and all their players would have been on the right hand side of it so that just kind of made the pass a bit easy but for me it's Bruno's third I think Bruno's third is a, an absolutely fantastic goal I think the ball from Lindelof is so good I also think Bruno makes that look so easy and it really isn't um, as he did with all his finishes but he kind of takes that on the volley as it's coming past him quite Van Persie-esque I thought um, and smashes it and as Craig says it's just prettier you know when you just get that absolute rifle into the top of the top of the net so uh, I thought that was the best goal, although I do also appreciate Eiling absolutely smashed that and it wasn't really like there was nothing you could do about that at all. Um so like a game full of good goals because you know, typically if we scored the Fred goal, I would be like, What a what an amazing goal. I thought the first goal was a brilliant goal, you know, in terms of Pogba's little sort of just cushion chip pass and then Bruno's touch to get it away from the defender. You know, all the goals were such high quality that really only in that game would you think oh, that wasn't the best goal, that wasn't the best goal, because any other day we'd be delighted to score goals of that quality. No, definitely. And as I say, it all went brilliantly for that first day. Couldn't have gone any better for us. Uh, We're now sat top of the league. And, and, you know, Craig, you did mention it earlier that there is, when this team sheet was out, you know, we were just chatting about it before, and the players where people are like, oh, you know, McFred gets a lot of moans. As well, Dan James still gets a lot of moans. I mean, I totally did expect him to start. I was not... Uh, surprised by that at all uh, he's your countryman as well uh, Craig isn't he Welshman uh, I mean are you happy to see Dan James in there do you think uh, you know we've now when everybody's fit we're going to have an absolute wealth of attacking talent um, you know do you think he's going to get his minutes there do you think he's worthy of it as sad as I am to say it being a fellow Welshman I do think where everyone fit Dan James doesn't get into the team and I don't think he deserves it either 
I just I just don't think he's good enough. Like I, when he when he joined the club, I was ho- really hoping he'd be like the next gigs for us or something like next great Welshman. But I for the first few games, he, like when he joined us, he was great. But like after that, it just everyone seems to like know what he's about, and I I think it's it's just too easy to like you know get him off the ball and and shut him down. Um, he just hasn't got enough in his repertoire to really have a place in the squad with everyone fit. He's just See, no I idea do, good enough. I do, I do kind of agree. I, I just don't think he's at the highest level required to kind of force any kind of conversation for displacing anyone. However, I do think he's a super handy squad player. You know, it just takes me back to Fergie days where you just have players that have limitations, but they just get used in the right ways in the right games. But I mean, he could get, he could get like as little as 10, 15 games a year you know in all competitions I think just due to the sheer depth we have there because you want to give Greenwood minutes you want to give Martial minutes and then you're obviously going to have your actual starters um, never mind Mata and Van der Beek and all that kind of stuff so it is tough but he's he is such a good squad option and the thing is he doesn't let you down he just frustrates because he will get into these really good positions and this happened several times against Leeds and he just doesn't have that kind of extra little bit of class or quality, I think, to fully make the most of them, whether that's with the ball out wide and it's his delivery or whether it's in the box and it's his finishing or his, his kind of confidence to take a man on. So I'm more than happy to have him, but I do agree with Craig. Like, he just wouldn't displace anyone. And it's really just a, is it a tactical thing we need against City just to have someone who can run all day and kind of hit you on the counter? Or is it just a current fitness thing? Or is it just that we want to give rest to other people? But like, if he's happy with that role, I don't really see an issue. I don't, I don't like, I don't get the impression that he would move on to get games elsewhere. I think he'd be quite happy playing a squad role at United. Yeah, I mean, last season, he still had a fair amount of minutes. I think this season, he's going to expect less. And then, yeah, it's up to him whether he's happy with that. I mean, he's obviously nowhere near the first 11 whenever he's fit. I even wonder, whenever he's fit, does he even make the bench? Uh, Because, you know, you start looking at how many players we have. Uh, You know, there is, I think, there's looking like somebody like Ahmad is probably going to be going out on loan. Uh, so yeah, there, there's other people around there like Elanga who are look yeah. exciting. Uh, so yeah, we have to see. I think there definitely will be three or four players who still leave on loan, and I think that's a lot what we're waiting for. You know, a couple of other players are on the bench didn't come in, like some Andreas Pereira, Diogo Dallo, where they're a bit kind of you know, are they staying? Are they going? So yeah, there's still kind of some transfer business we need to finish off yet over there. Um, I think I, look, everybody was waiting for bated breath to see Jaden Sancho come on. Uh, you know, as I think from about the 60th minute, a lot of people around me were going, come on, he's got to come on now. He's got to come on now. Let's see him. Uh, but yeah, in, in true Ole style, he delayed his subs a little bit more. But yeah, I can understand that because we were playing well and he was trying to rack up the goals. But he did come in for a kind of, you know, 20, just 15, 20 minute kind of cameo. I mean, yeah, what did you make of Sancho over there, Craig? Um, I, I don't think enough was done. Like It seemed like once him and Martial came on, like, he didn't really seem to do much yeah. else, you know. Yeah. So I think like he didn't have a chance to really show anything of what he's about. But it's his first game for us anyway, so it's like I don't really expect too much of him anyway because he's still got to gel with the team and figure out like what his position is for us and what he's going to do. And he's twenty-one. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like he's not, he's, you know, he's, he's not a like a twenty-six, but exactly, like he really is. You know, it's crazy. So you don't expect much of him at the minute. Like obviously, like as the season goes on, I'll, we'll expect more and more. But for now, I you know I was okay with him not just coming on and having a little play, just to get used to things. <laughs> Have a little play. Do you think he starts the next game, Nick? 
I just because we've won it so well, I think he might go with a similar lineup. Uh, Ole tends to do that, you know. Yeah, when you win that's, a game. you know, you don't buy, you don't spend seventy five million on someone and get uh, a central defender who's won literally everything known to man, and then just keep them on the bench because your team's going well. Do you though? You know. I, yeah, I mean, I, I personally probably would start Sancho. I would not bring Varane in immediately. Yeah. I think he, you know, we had this kind of conversation on the last pod about who's more likely to play, Sancho or Varane. In the end, neither of them have started, which for me was not unsurprising at all. I think it's easier to come in as attacker. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, if, if you also, make a mistake, it's yeah. not as big of an issue. If you make a mistake at you know, centre-back, it's a massive problem. And I think it's more important to have an understanding with your teammates at centre-back than it is at like, right wing. By nature, attackers chop and change more regularly. You know, Lindelof and Maguire played whatever, probably 60 games together last year or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? So that, like, and they did broadly very well, you know, even if we don't think that he's, you know, quite the absolute level we need to win the league or win the Champions League or whatever but I think you do have to pay a bit of respect to that you know what I mean and not just dump them straight out because I don't think that's motivating for anyone really and like Lindelof obviously played really well but I do expect Sancho to start here against Southampton Yeah that'll be interesting to see whether Ole changes this team straight away or goes with it uh, as I say Sancho I will not be surprised for him to come in and you know he, we all want him to be that kind of right sided player he actually came in and played on the left side because mm-hmm. Greenwood then switched out right Martial played up front uh, you know he is versatile there was a couple of touches from him where you see his quality yeah. uh, but you know he was only there for kind of 15 minutes it wasn't enough time for him to really make an impact um, but yeah look let's see I think we, uh, the, the, uh, Ole will slowly definitely introduce these players and I think it'll be like a full month before we get close to what I would say is our first 11 uh, you know Cavani is only just back like in the country uh, he'll surely be involved more the super exciting thing with Sancho is I think he had like 30 goal contributions in 32 games last year something like that like it's Bruno numbers which are just freakish numbers really you know so if he can replicate that kind of form at United now I think that's a big ask and as you say I think that'll take a while to bed in you know I don't expect that but if that's the level he produces that it's, it's frightening really yeah and you know we want him for those days where we struggled sometimes last season to break down yeah. very dogged defenses and you know there were several times we threw away points uh, draws and even losses to the likes of Sheffield United, West Brom, uh, you know, Palace. These are the games where we hope somebody like that does make the difference and does get us closer to being top of the league. Uh, you know, obviously right now we are top of the league. So, yeah, we can <laughs> start ce- celebrate that for now. But it's one game in. We can't get too excited about it. I mean, last season, like I said, we had a terrible start to the season and then we still ended up second. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, long way to go. But, yeah, you, you start well. And that can make the difference. You know, City will be City Spurs later on today. You know, we're recording this on Sunday morning. Uh, So, yeah, let's see what Spurs can do over there and maybe slow down City straight away. Um, Southampton is our next match. Uh, You know, we have a couple of away games now. And then uh, we have on paper... Asked, this was probably the most difficult game to our start of the season, this Leeds game. It was the one I was most worried about looking at our opening kind of five, six fixtures. Yeah. Six out of this six, 18 points, non-negotiable. <laughs> All right, non-negotiable, yeah. yeah. <laughs> utter, utter failure, anything else, you know. But as you said, it's, it's favourable. It absolutely is favourable. Yeah, we couldn't have really asked for, you know, better. Uh, you know, at the start of the season, there is always some random results, so you can't say anything is easy. But yeah, you're just talking about on paper. and. Um, you know, Southampton are not at the best place at the moment. It's a good time to play them. They've lost, like, you know, Danny Ings, their best player. Yeah. Uh, 
positive to see where they go from there. So yeah, for sure over there, we should be expecting a win and how we're motoring. It's just about who plays over there. I mean, I, I do want to go back to this question because, yeah, we talked about it a fair bit on the last pod and the pod before, but neither of you two were on there. And as I say, you know, Craig, you did touch on saying you weren't that happy to see the McFred starting. Uh, you know, I personally always think that those two get far too much stick. I think they're both good players and you know, the transfer window is still open for two weeks. Ole gave this slight kind of glimmer of hope to everyone the other day, saying that he's still hoping to get one more player in. Um, I personally think that he's still talking about maybe Kieran Trippier coming in, and that would probably mean Diogo Dallo going out. But I think everybody is hoping for a new midfielder. Uh, is that still your hope, Craig? Are you you think that's still where, where we... Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the McFred thing was more Fred than than Muck, you know? Because, <laughs> you, you, know, you know me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of McCarmony. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's, it's the, the Fred's the definitely the weak link, and I, I definitely do think we need another midfielder because you know we need someone more for the like defensive mid role because of like, match is getting on now, and we've probably got half a season out of him, I think, at most. So we definitely need someone more there who can be in front of the defense and like make make that more solid. Um, I, I just I don't think we will though because we've been needing one of them for a few years now and like we never seem to bother. Um, we'll just stick with McFred for the next six seasons probably, and everyone <laughs> will cry about it. That's, that is pessimistic, but probably very likely. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And listen, like, you know, if McFred start and you win 5-1, then obviously nobody can really complain about him. Fred horses, is even horses managed to horses. get himself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's surely a sign of the apocalypse. But um, don't tell Imran that Fred scored. He'll uh, have a coronary probably. But, um, you know, well, Fred would have even scored right in front of Imran. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that, um, you know, that game's made for them. So they look brilliant and that's great. And they look sharp and they were buzzing around all the places dominating leads, you know, physically, which is great. And that's what you get a lot of the time from McFred I agree with you you know it's I, I think they both get more harsh criticism because they're not elite footballers but they are very good footballers that absolutely deserve to be at Manchester United um, however I'm really interested in this Southampton game because that's going to be different you know that is going to be the team that sits in that's going to be the Hasenhut who will press you really hard but don't be expansive you know they're going to be really well organized particularly because they have you know I mean Everton brushed them over pretty easy yesterday and they have lost Ings who is obviously huge for them and stuff like that I think they've also just lost Vestigard to go to um, uh, someone else in the league that I can't currently Leicester. remember Leicester exactly so you know it is a good time to play them, but it's going to be that different game. And if it's McFred again, you might see the, the reverse of today where you have this big open game that they look brilliant in and then we go and play at St. Mary's and it's this tight, frugal kind of game and they, they can't necessarily make those those things count. Now, Jadon Sancho could make all the difference. Pogba could play brilliant off the left. Bruno could score and it's all fine. But I think over the course of the season, you do want someone else who is more, um, you know ball playing I think and I just think going by Ruben Neves like is that like is that a is that crazy because I just don't understand if he's available for 30 to 40 million and I don't think there's a DM out there I don't think Declan Rice is necessarily worth what you'd have to pay for him I, you know I don't know that you get in Diddy for anything less than 80 or 90 million I think if we give less or any more money you know we may as well just pay all the players wages as well so I just don't see where you're getting that kind of destroyer DM. And I also, I'm not sure that's exactly what we need. Um, I just think Ruben Neves would be a fantastic addition to this squad. I think he just needs a move to a better team. I think he's shown at Wolves his quality and he's like 24 or something. He's not, he might not even be 24. Um, 
you know, it just makes all the sense in the world for me for the absolute budget price that he's available at. And I think, I don't necessarily think he'd start every game, but I think he forces his way into that midfield and make us a much better, much more balanced team because, you know, we just need someone else who's a little bit more expansive in their passing, I think. And I think he does that. And I do think he's defensively decent, even though he's not a, a complete wrecker like a Matic or a Ndidi or a Rice, you know? I mean, look, Neves gets talked about a lot. And I think it's because he is that type of player we want. Uh, you know, if we talk about that holding midfielder with a good passing range, then yeah, you are talking about somebody like him. I still don't think that he is anywhere near like our oh. standard. I, oh. I mean, he might get there in a couple of years' time. As you know, as I said the other day, he does not play for Portugal, so yeah, they don't think he's good enough to be start playing that standard just yet. Um, he, he is a good player, and he, I, I think the reason he keeps coming up again and again is because it's that style of player we need. And you know, we talk about the style of player. Carrick or Matic from a few years ago but yeah he's nowhere near as defensively solid as Matic but yeah he has probably that kind of passing range of Carrick uh, you know it's something we miss for a while I but again like I say I am personally pretty happy with McFred neither of them are like world-class players they play very well as a pair together and I actually thought McTominay had a really good game yesterday I liked a lot of things he was doing over there uh, and, yeah, and I'll mention again and again that Fred is like a regular starter for Brazil whereas you know he gets a lot of step from people but yeah again he is a player who has his uses can do his bit and uh, you know we'll see how this season progresses uh, how often they play I, I you know I said a couple of weeks ago I don't expect them to play as often together we have still started with them over here and it will be interesting to see if Ole does change it up for that Southampton game or sticks with it again. Van der Beek's the other unknown quantity. You know, he's, he's stacked on 3.6 kilograms of pure muscle during the off-season and uh, is is ready to dominate the English Premier League midfields, I think. So it'd be interesting to see how he gets trotted out. You know, he did look all right in pre-season in that kind of role, but I just still think we need an actual midfielder and, and that's a bit of a nightmare for Van der Beek. But... I think we need an action midfielder. And I just think for the price, because I agree with you, I think McFred and Pogba, you know, can play in midfield at times. Absolutely. You still have Manich, I think still has something to give this year, although I agree with Craig's probably lesser than, than more often. But there's good options there. It just needs a little bit more depth or something a little bit different than what everyone else provides. And I, I think he does that for, for a very, you know, we're not going to go, in, I don't think we're going to spend 60, 70, 80 million on someone this year, you know. So do you want someone who's very possible and, and and could grow into the team extremely well and is already familiar with the league and has been extremely impressive, is extremely young at thirty million, or do you want no one? Or do you want to wait next year and, you know, spend even money more money on Camavinger, whoever it is, you know? Yeah, and I mean as well, Van der Beek I think is one of the reasons why we will not bring in a midfielder, because I think he still needs to be given his chance to see what he can do. Uh I and I actually think that Van der Beek has a lot of the attributes of somebody like Neves. Uh, you know, his passing range is good. As you talk about, everybody's saying he's bulked up. He's trying to come in and be, you know, a bit of a stronger defensive player. And I actually think that on the defensive side, from what I've seen of him, he wasn't too bad anyway. In the few times we saw him play around like number eight, um, you know, I thought he looked strongish on the ball. He wasn't getting like knocked off or anything like that. It wasn't really a worry. And I think, I think Van der Beek will be given a chance to play himself and be more involved, to play more minutes in this team. And that's why we're not going to see a midfielder come in this window, uh, you know, to disappoint all those people out I there. Think I think we see. are. I think we are, Ole was just so coy but, about it, that, it, and I don't think he's normally so tight-lipped about those things. And uh, it was a wee bit cheeky, so I, I think there's something rumbling. Maybe we're going to steal right, yeah. Sanchez off the back of Liverpool or whoever he's maybe going to go to. 
Who knows? Uh, no, look, let's see. Let's. Well, like I said, like Ole did say he's working on somebody, and I, I still think that's Trippier personally. Nah, nah, but, yeah. Dallow staying. Yeah, and I, well, I'm actually okay with Dallow staying, same, as I said myself. I know Reese Reese was very scathing of him last week and doesn't think he's anywhere near the quality. But he might not be, but he's only going to get five games anyway. You know, Ole will play Aram Saka ninety five percent of the time. So if if Atletico want thirty million for Trippier, it's a complete waste. It is a complete waste because. Well, I actually think Trippier could displace Aaron Wan-Bissaka if, um, you know, all things were considered equal. But if you've spent £50 million on Aaron Wan-Bissaka, played very well yesterday, can't criticise him at all. Ashwin for that, um, as he listens and gets upset. But, um, you know, I just don't see us giving meaningful minutes to any other right-back. And therefore, Dallow is as good as anyone because he's already at the club, you know, and just spend that money on a midfielder. It's clearly the more pressing need. I do actually, yeah, agree with that, that it would be a bigger upgrade if we bring in a midfielder. Uh, you know, Dallow, he can cover left-back as well. At the moment, he's the cover for both sides because, yeah, yeah. Tellez is out. So, yeah, at the moment, he's there. But, yeah, Trippier can also play both sides. So, that's, you know, between them, it's not too much of an issue. Uh, I actually, you know, the only the only slight thing I would regret from the match yesterday was not making Bruno the captain of my fantasy <laughs> Premier League team. <laughs> but uh, actually had Salah as captain who ended up doing pretty well himself and uh, I've had a good start over there. I think, uh, Colm, are you our, our reigning... Uh, was Champ. it you or Alex who won yeah, it? I think it was me. I think it was me. Maybe yeah, I, think, not. I, I don't think know. it was you in the end. I yeah. think Alex I had a, I had a strong week our... as well. I had a strong week as well, Nick. Imran captain Dianacho by mistake so he's already out, basically. Um <laughs> But yeah, I think we'll throw a link to the uh, to the to the league in the Discord or whatever to make sure anyone else can join. Just give us just give us some competition. Yeah, definitely. As I say, Colm is our reigning fantasy Premier League champion from last season. Um, I've had a pretty good start, but uh, I I am going to give out the code for our league code this year and open it up to our listeners. And I will say, if any of you can beat. Us, uh, there will be a prize on offer. I don't know what yet. Maybe I think I have to hit up Manscaped or something like that, or find something from somewhere for uh, you. If any one of you, you can beat us out there. I win. I'm not going to put the code out on social media or anything. So I want to make sure it's just our actual listeners who get on there. Um, I will mention right now. So if you've got an FPL team, uh, the United Hour League, the code is PX57IZ. I will put that out to our Patreon subscribers. Like I said, yeah, I want to make sure it's only our actual listeners who get on this because we did put this out on Twitter a couple of years ago and there was all sorts of people who joined. You're worried about Russian bots, are you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I want to get over there. Craig, are you in the Fantasy Premier League this year? No, because I was about to say that anyone who who would join would actually definitely beat me because (laughs) I'm rubbish for Fantasy League because... I will play it, and for the first few weeks, I'll do all the changes and stuff. I'll get some decent points, and then after a few weeks, I just forget about it. And so my team remains unchanged for the rest of the season. Uh, Scottish slash Canadian Dave, um, I looked at his team last night, and there was like eight of them weren't playing. Eight of them were like red injured, you know, like just picking. I was like, this is the first week, mate, you know, like... What, what what was the point? See, that, that that's me on week four. Yeah, and you can even understand it on week four. But yeah, I mean, come on, David, you got you, you're letting us down. You're making us look bad. Yeah, this is the uh, we're supposed to be showing our extra knowledge here of the fantasy football. Uh, but yeah, as I say, yeah, if you want to join the FPL league, see if you can beat us. There'll be a prize on offer. It's PX57IZ. 
Um, and yeah, look, I will get some predictions for you for this Southampton game. Before I do, I did just mention them there. I need to do my 60-second blurb for our sponsors, Manscaped. Um, one thing I, I do need to give some credit to Manscaped too is they're making more of an effort to make their blurbs kind of football relevant nowadays, which I like. Because, you know, when we started with these guys, it was all about American sports and stuff like that. And I think they're doing pretty well over here in the UK now. So, yeah, here's my, here's my Manscaped blurb. Thought this summer off Euro football was fun. Well, footy is back and our friends at Manscaped are here with a masterclass to get you ready for this season. The leaders in men's grooming have done it again and they've just launched their fourth generation performance package. Uh, included is their new lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. The 4.0 will even get Paris Saint-Germain fans jealous of your well-groomed package. <laughs> so uh, join the two million so men. Yeah. <laughs> Join the two million men worldwide who join uh, Trust Manscaped. Uh, use the code United Hour to get your twenty percent off and free shipping. Um, yeah, look, yeah, as I say, we've all had that three package. I think, I think, Craig, we've not managed to get one out to you in Poland yet, have we? Maybe we'll see. I think they said now actually before it was like UK, US, but now they are distributing all around Europe. So yeah, let's see if we can get you a package out. Yeah, uh, in, Craig, Craig is a hard man. Also, I happen to know that for a fact. Yeah, I, I, I didn't feel right having one being as I wasn't on the podcast for a while. <laughs> for three years. Yeah. Like, don't it's want, all right. Don't, don't want to have the advantages that come with being on the pod when I'm not on the pod, you know? Well, well, you know, look, Craig, you were, you were solid in there for years when we went, didn't have any sponsorship or anything like that. So, yeah, you've done your, you've done I your mean, business yeah. from back in the day. You, so, you, yeah. you can record you have, you have a few ads with Calm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have, to, you have to do the hard yards, justify this lavish lifestyle of free gifts that absolutely get thrown upon us. For this podcast, so, you know, I'm sure my wife would love it anyway. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, before we round off, let me get your couple of predictions for this Southampton game. Uh, so, Colm, what, what's your prediction? Uh, 2 0 and uh, Jade Sancho to score. Okay, Craig. 3 0, zero Pogba assists, two Fernandez <laughs> goals. <laughs> and yeah, look, I think that we should be dispatching Southampton pretty easy. They're at a very low ebb. Uh, there's a guy I play football with who's a big Southampton fan, and he says their club is in total disarray. I think they've got some issues with ownership. They don't have much money. So that's why you're seeing players going out and not really much coming in. So yeah, there's very few excuses for us not to be coming out with three points from this match. Yeah, let's hope Sancho gets in there. Uh, but my, the three I've got in my fantasy team at the moment are Bruno. Greenwood and I actually went for Aaron Wan-Bissaka even because just I know everybody's going for Luke Shaw so just to be different I've Differential. gone for Wan-Bissaka and uh, hope that, that that was the only you know sad, sad point from this match was that we didn't get the clean sheet uh, you know we've all said that ailing strike was pretty impressive so fair play to him so yeah hopefully let's get a clean sheet in this game a uh, couple of goals for Greenwood Bruno would have uh, be great to get the fantasy going again um, and yeah look we are going to come back we will we, be aiming for weekly this season uh, th- thanks to our Patreon subscribers who still kept supporting us throughout the summer even though yeah I apologise we've been a little bit slow with the content we did do that Euro stuff but yeah we do want to get back on weekly here 
please do hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all that stuff. Uh, for those who are new listeners, Twitter is our main kind of social media where you'll see most of our stuff. Um, I am going to be putting out some photos and videos and stuff I did take at the match yesterday because I felt like a bit of a giddy kid going back after all this time. So I normally try and stay off like photo and video and stuff like that. But yesterday I did, I'm afraid, have my phone out and uh, recorded a few things. So yeah, if you look out on the Twitter feed for the next couple of days, I'll put out some of that stuff and maybe try and filter it through to Instagram or something. Um, look, great start to the season. Big difference from this time last year where we were all really like dreading what was going on after the start and, uh, you know, as a write-off. And let's hope we can keep this going. Um, I, you know, I have high hopes. I see no reason we can't be challenging. I mean, look, you, I, I, neither of you were on when we did our kind of... I said before the transfer window closes... I don't necessarily say we should be putting all out our solid predictions, but Colm, like, you know, there's no reason for us not to be challenging for the league, right? No, I mean, it, the only excuse for not challenging for the league is the quality of other teams in the league. Liverpool looked great yesterday. Chelsea looked quite imperious, to be honest, and I expect City to be obviously amazing, as usual. That's the only excuse, is that we're in such a money-laden, talent-rich league at the moment so you can be excellent and still probably finish fourth um, however our squad should should be challenging you know and if not there should be still clear progression and we should be sweeping away most teams in the league and, and having that kind of consistency that's just totally eluded this squad um, in terms of being able to do it for 10 games on the bounce and then be awful for four or five games so um, I just want to see that consistency. I want to see you know us play high quality football and energetic football like yesterday. As long as that's happening, you know, if City drop one point all year or if Liverpool go unbeaten, then oh well. But I'll still enjoy our football, and that's really what I'm bothered about. Um, but yep, very few excuses for this squad. It's it's quality. What do you think, Craig? Is uh, number twenty one coming this year? No, <laughs> <laughs> um, but not, not not because I don't think we're good enough. I've uh, I I think it's just because. You know, Man City who can't afford to replace Sergio Aguero can spend 100 million on Jack Grealish and 100, potentially 130, 150 on Harry Kane. Like a lot of a lot of United fans, like out there, like especially the early outers, think we should be winning the league. You know, but it's just it's not as simple as that. Like we'll definitely be there. I think we'll finish second, but I I just don't think I, I don't think we'll be able to overcome City. I think. They're going to be way too good this season. Like, it, it's just it's tough. Like, it's it's, it's annoying as well because like people always point to our spending and stuff, but it's like they seem to ignore Man City spending. It's like yeah, we're spending a lot, but Man City are spending more. So you know, it's tough to compete with a, a club that can really you know get by FFP and you just know buy everyone they want. Yeah, it, it's it's. Like yeah, I'd love to win the league again. I really would because it's it's been too long, and I, I I and I would be ecstatic if we did. Like I'll, I'll run through the streets naked if we do. <laughs> All right, we need to get that manscape package idea then. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, but I just don't think we will. I I really don't like. It, as sad as it is to say, I. I just don't think we'll, we'll be second or third. I don't think we'll finish below it's, third. It's just a tough gig this year. Like the, it is quality. You know, I really do think Chelsea will be very good, particularly with Lukaku. I, like, I just hard to see them not having, uh, you know, a very strong challenge as well. 
No, yeah, I do agree with you guys. And uh, I, you know, I went on this Leeds United podcast like, like a few days ago, and my prediction was that we would come second as well. But I'm still just waiting till the end of the window because I'm kind of basing that on that maybe Harry Kane is ending up at City, and these things, you know, will make a big difference. So we're not going to nail down our predictions just yet. But yeah, I did see that you know there was uh, the twenty kind of match of the day pundits had all put out their top four predictions for the season and. It was split between City and Chelsea. I mean, I think something like, I think 13 out of 20 said City were going to win the league, seven said Chelsea, and not so, not many even think we're coming second. So I, yeah. I kind of like that, that people think that we're, you know, third. I think most people are putting us in a kind of third stroke fourth with Liverpool and they're saying, thinking that City and Chelsea are the front two to go for. And yeah, I'm happy to be in that place uh, you know, not too much expectation. Uh, whereas I, yeah, you know, I think we're all saying that we should be aiming definitely for second. And oh, we don't know if City players can get injured, things don't work out. Uh, you know, but that is probably where we're looking at that they're not having as good a season as everybody's expecting. But yeah, look, anything can happen. And like you say, Colm, there is four very, very strong teams, and then even a few others, you know, bubbling under can cause trouble. Whether it's Leicester and those kind of teams, uh, you know, nowadays I would mention Leicester ahead of Spurs and Arsenal. Whereas you know, people talk about top six; it always used to be yeah. Tottenham Arsenal. But yeah, for me, Leicester now should officially be talking about being that team and uh, but yeah look as I said once this transfer window finishes we will put down our actual predictions and see who gets closest and yeah look, hit up whoever wants to get on that fantasy league we'll see who can beat us and we will be back for the post Southampton match basically and uh, that's goodbye from me cheerio bye Podcast Network.